0: Good morning, church family. It's good to see you this morning. Glad that we can be here together. It is good for us to be here. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you. Appreciate you taking the time out of your week to uh, start the week the best way that you can, coming together and worshiping God. Uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been going through the book of Acts, and we'll be in Acts chapter 2 today, is where we'll start here in just a few minutes. So if you have your uh, copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. Uh, if you don't have a copy, there's a black book on the back of the pew in front of you, and Acts chapter 2, the verses we'll be looking at, starts on page 911. So if you want to turn to page 911, uh, that's where we'll be here in just a few minutes. As I said, we've been going through the book of Acts uh, for for a little bit now, looking at Acts chapter two, the beginning of the church, and we've been talking about the the growth of the church. What did people who were not Christians? What did they do in order to become followers of Jesus? And then we see some growth in the the book of Acts because it's a history book. It's the the book of history in the New Testament. We learn about how the church was formed, how the church started, what the church was about, its mission, all these historical important facts. Uh, we learned these things in the book of Acts, and in Acts chapter 2 specifically. So we want to look at and think about, as we think about the church, it's starting last week. We looked at uh, the importance of elders, that there was growth in the church, that more and more and more people, 3,000 on the first day, and then day by day, the Lord was adding to their number, it tells us in Acts chapter 2, and that growth, and then opposition from Satan, and how Satan was working in the lives of people who wanted to be followers of Jesus but struggled with that, it made the the importance and the need for leadership clear. Uh, so we see in the book of Acts that uh, this role, this position, this, uh, this responsibility of someone being an elder or a shepherd or a bishop or a pastor, uh, this was introduced uh, in the book of Acts and we see uh, them being installed and th- those types of things. But as was mentioned earlier, as our one of our shepherds, David Fox, who was up here uh, first this morning, as he mentioned today, uh, here in just a few minutes, uh, we're going to uh, introduce, install, if you will, some new deacons. Today I want us to, to stop, and, stop and think about deacons and and what uh, what's the role of a deacon and and what do we know about deacons from scripture again in Acts chapter 2 it's the day of Pentecost about 50 days after Jesus has been crucified uh, resurrected he's he's he he, after his resurrection he appears to many people for about 40 days so in Acts chapter 2 Jesus has only been gone from the earth from for about a week uh, short maybe a little bit more seven to ten days so he's only been gone for about a week and in Acts chapter 2 we we see this community That we would know as the church, we see this community of followers of Jesus that begin, and we've, we've talked about the last two weeks, and I want to remind you that this community, the same community that you and I are trying to be a part of today, the same community that was focused on three things. Number one, they were focused on correction. Remember, when Peter is preaching to them in Acts chapter 2, and they're pierced to the heart because they recognize sin in their life, they ask the question in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, men and brethren, what can we do? What can we do to fix this problem? And the very first thing that Peter says is to repent. That means you're going a way that is not pleasing to God. You need to turn away from that, correct your way, and start working towards that. So every one of those 3,000 people, and the more and the more and the more that we'll talk about even this morning, uh, that became Christians, and hopefully you and I today, we recognize first and foremost, there's some things wrong in our life that we need to make right. And that I can't make right myself but I'm going to turn away from doing those things that are not pleasing to God and I'm going to turn towards God and do the things that he wants me to do. They were focused on correction. Secondly, they were focused on care. We talked about this a lot a couple weeks ago, that they were together, they had all things in common and they met each other's needs. Okay, again, brothers and sisters, listen to me, you and I are trying to be a part of that same community, that same church, that same family. They took care of each other's needs and today we need to try and take care of each other's needs as well. And then thirdly, And most importantly, why were they there in Acts chapter 2? Why did those people get baptized into Christ in Acts chapter 2? Because they were focused on, centered on Christ. Everything about that community, everything about our community is about Jesus. They corrected their lives because it didn't match up with Jesus. They cared for each other because Jesus cared for each other. Everything they did was centered around Christ and that's what we want to be about as well. Now last week again we talked about elders, but unlike elders, when we think about deacons this morning, uh, there, there's no uh direct example of deacons being installed like we think about uh with we, we see uh Paul appointing some elders in some different churches. We don't have the, the appointment of deacons specifically uh listed in Scripture. Uh they're they're described, and it just seems as if when we think about deacons, this role that serves within this community that they're just an expected part of this community. This community that's about correction, care, and Christ-centeredness, they just seem to be there. And in Acts chapter 2, look again at verses uh, 42 uh, and then verses 46 and 47, again describing this community. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And they, these new followers of Jesus, were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And then verse 46, and daily devoting themselves to one another in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. There's that community that we have. And it seems as if from the beginning of that community in Acts chapter 2, all throughout the rest of the New Testament, deacons are just expected to be there. When Paul addresses different churches, he addresses the brethren, he addresses the elders, and he addresses deacons. We're not really told, we don't have an example of of deacons being installed or deacons, uh, the, the process by which that happens. I don't think it's a bad thing at all to what we're doing today. That's not what I'm trying to say. I hope you don't misunderstand me there, but we just don't have the The same details that we have of shepherds or or elders in in that process. But what we have is there's this expectation that these deacons, this role, these people, these men serving as deacons are a part of this community. And it's a blessing to them. Now, the word deacon in the original language is the same word that's used for servant. And it's used in the New Testament sometimes to simply mean someone who is a servant. Uh, The way that we tell the difference is, of course, context. And we recognize that they're, they're every all of us should be servants. We're supposed to be servants of Christ, servants of others, uh servants of one another. But there's something different. There's a role, there's an expectation, there are some responsibilities, there are some requirements, if you will. You can read about those in first Timothy uh, chapter three about what it means or what you have to do in order to become a deacon. But there's there's a distinction between all of us as servants, and then these people who serve, these men who serve in the role of deacon. And again, in Acts chapter 2 and following, we see that the continued growth of the church and the continued attacks of Satan made the need for leadership clear. In Matthew chapter 20, it was read to us earlier, but I want to paraphrase. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 and 26, it tells us there, uh, Jesus tells his uh, disciples there, hey, you, you know the lords of the Gentiles, the lords of people who aren't followers of me. The, the, the leaders of them, you know, they, uh, they, they lord it over them. They, they make sure you, they know, hey, I'm your leader, and you need to follow me. In a very arrogant way, it seems to be that Jesus is, is saying that that's what they're, they're doing. And it says that because of this, they are called great. That this power, that this authority, that this position enables them or uh, aligns with them to, for them to be called great. But he says to his disciples, he would say to us today as his followers, as his disciples... That it won't be that way among you. If you want to be great, you've got to be a servant. So when we think about this type of servant leadership, it is epitomized in what deacons do. This type of servant leadership is all about what deacons do. And this servant leadership leads to the continued growth and health of the church. Deacons that are already serving as deacons, and eight guys who are going to be uh, installed or introduced as deacons today, I want you to hear me, and I want you to listen to a lot that we're going to say today. This is not a a small responsibility that you're taking on. The work that you will do will lead to the continued health and growth of the church. The church worldwide, perhaps, but certainly the church here at Jefferson Avenue. Now, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 6, a lot of us probably knew we were going there when we talk about deacons. Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 6. Again, this is a history book. It's the early part of the church. Uh, th- these men there's going to be seven men here who are uh, appointed to to serve in a specific way they're not called deacons uh, but it seems as if they are fulfilling the role of what we think of as deacons today so in Acts chapter uh, 6 we have the, the apostles you know those those 12 men who were there with Jesus and and they they have a a specific role they had specific requirements they had to have been with Jesus day in and day out for from a certain time period and and they 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 are kind of serving the role as elders but they're more than elders and perhaps in Acts chapter 6 these guys are not called deacons but they're very similar to deacons maybe we would say they are more than deacons uh, they, they have some requirements as well though the same way that deacons do and we want to look at them because while they're not called deacons they are certainly serving the role and and I would encourage all of us whether you're a deacon or not or could ever be a deacon or not they teach you about the importance of service and the importance of what it leads to. In Acts chapter 6, we'll read verses uh, 1 through 7. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, there's a lot here, so we're going to take the time to break it down a little bit as we walk through it. Now, in those days, while the disciples were multiplying in number, okay, I want you to stop and think there, because that's an important phrase that we we could just jump over, okay? Uh, In Acts chapter 2, there's 3,000 people who are baptized, excuse me, there's 3,000 men who are baptized besides women and children, so probably closer to... 5,000, 6,000, maybe more than that. Lots of people become Christians. The church is is already pretty large, okay, in this one city of Jerusalem, okay? Uh, In Acts chapter 4 and verse 4, it says that the number of men had grown to 5,000, okay? So there's maybe upwards of 10,000 people who are a part of this group at this point, okay? And now in Acts chapter 6, it says that it's multiplying in number. Now, you and I have been through some sort of schooling, so we know the difference between addition and multiplication, right? Which one's going to it's going to increase the number more quickly. Multiplication, right? This is the first time, not the last time. As a matter of fact, the end of this chapter, it's going to say it again. But this is the first time that it goes from, in Acts chapter 2, the Lord was adding to their number, adding to their number day by day, those who are being saved. In a couple other verses, it talks about additions, the church continued to grow additionally. But now, for the first time, it says it's multiplying. Okay, So the church is experiencing some serious growth. Okay, which is, of course, what we would want, right? But there's a problem. Notice what it says. Now, in those days, while the disciples, the believers, the followers of Jesus, we would call them Christians, were multiplying in number, there was grumbling from the Hellenistic against the Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. Okay, so here we have an introduction of the problem, and we have some details here. There are Hellenistic Jews, we would say, and there are Hebrews. Okay, now, why does the Bible... Why does God, through inspiration, take the time to tell us and make a distinction between the Hellenistic and the Hebrew? Because it's possible there's some prejudice here. There's at least some distinction. It's possible within this community that cares for one another that there's a problem. And this problem is not just a, an overlooking, but this problem perhaps could be prejudice. You have the Hebrews, the native Hebrews, the Jews, and then you have these Hellenistic people, and Hellenistic would relate to the, the Greek culture, but so in reality it would be people, anybody else, okay, uh, people who, who are not of, of Hebrew background, and the problem is that there, there are these widows, and you're talking about a group of 10,000 plus people here, I think it's pretty safe to say. We don't know exactly how many widows there are, but probably hundreds of widows, okay, and, and apparently the church had taken on the responsibility of making sure these widows had their daily food. But then, as it goes on, as time went on, maybe it wasn't a problem when it first started, but as time went on, by the time we get to Acts chapter 6, there's a problem. Some of them, some of these widows are being neglected, but it's only a specific group of some of these people. It's only the Hellenistic widows that are being neglected. So the other Hellenistic, the other Greek Christians come to the apostles and say, Hey, we got a problem. My mama didn't get her food. What's up with that? What's going on? And hey, my cousin, his mom didn't get food either. And, and my, my next door neighbor. And, and we noticed we're all Greek. We're all Hebrews like you guys are. And for some reason, we're not getting our food. What's the problem? Okay. Would that be a problem in the church? Yeah. Can, can you see where, where if that problem persisted, the church could be derailed from its purpose? Absolutely. Absolutely. If that happened here today from for whatever reason, whatever distinction, whatever whatever lines we could draw that make some sort of difference between us, if one of those lines, one of those groups were being neglected, it would not take long. It would not take long at all for that group to say, "Hey, what about us?" and to raise a fuss and to raise a stink and maybe to eventually just just leave and and, and tear the church apart, right? We could see that happening. It maybe has happened before to us in different areas of our life. So there's a problem and satan is working in these people noticing this I don't know why the problem started, but there the problem is what are the apostles? What do they do? Verse 12 So the 12 summoned the congregation of the disciples and said It is not pleasing to god for us to neglect the word of god in order to serve tables Now if you read that you might say well there that's kind of rude, right? Yeah, we're, we're too good to serve tables That's not what the apostles who would serve in in a similar role to what the elders would do. That's not what they're saying. What they're saying is, hey, that's an important thing that we need to take care of. He's going to say that in the next verse. We need to take care of this issue. But we also need to stay focused on the most important thing. Sharing the word of God. We've got to stay focused on the most important thing and that's primarily our jobs the apostle said. Notice verse 3 Therefore brothers select from among you seven men of good reputation full of the spirit and of wisdom who, may you, who you may put in charge or who we may put in charge of this need but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the service of the word. Okay, They said listen this is a serious deal but there's something that's even more important that we need to make, make sure we don't take our eyes off of but we want to make sure that this issue gets handled so find some men and he has These qualifications, okay, that they're full of the Spirit and they're men of good reputation and and similar. Again, not exactly the same qualifications of a deacon, certainly, but pretty similar. What does it What does it mean to be full of the Spirit? It might mean some of those things that Paul gives us more details about in First Timothy chapter three. To be full of the Spirit in in those specific ways, perhaps. But he finds seven men. They find seven men in verse five, and this word uh, pleased the whole congregation. And they chose Stephen, a man full full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these stood. And these they stood before the apostles. And after praying, they laid their hands on them. All right. So let's just talk about this briefly. Okay? They've got a problem. How many widows were there? We don't know. Uh, I, I would say again, it's it's a pretty safe bet. There's probably ten thousand plus Christians at this point. How many of those are, are widows? We don't know exactly. I'd say potentially hundreds. Hundred, couple hundred, three hundred. We don't know exactly, okay? But, but a pretty significant group. And how many of men do they, do they appoint to this role? Seven, all right? Deacons, I want you to hear me. Whether you're a deacon now, a deacon that you will be here in just a few minutes, or somebody who will ever serve as a deacon. Did those seven men feed all of the widows every day? No. They did not. Very important point, probably for deacons, the most important point we'll make this morning. The servant leaders mobilized other servants. Whatever you're a deacon of, it is not your job to do all the work. It is simply your job to mobilize servants to make sure the work gets done. And by doing so, you will help the church mature and grow. It is not your job to physically or to mentally or to in whatever other way to do the work, though there will be times when you certainly have to do that. Your job, the role is, as a servant leader, is to mobilize other servants, and that's all of us. And that helps me to grow. Anyone who serves will grow through humility and through effort and through recognizing that we're serving because God served us and all of these things. The importance of of deacons not necessarily doing the work, but making sure the work gets done by mobilizing other servants. See, in these verses, uh, we we see what the result is in verse number 7. In verse number 1, we have a problem. A problem that that I think, why is this recorded in Scripture? Why do we have this story? Why did God put it here? Because it is important. In verse number 1, the overlooking of these widows could have led to big problems in the church. First of all, the leadership, the elders, they did not ignore it, and they, they didn't say, ah, that's not a big deal, you take care of your own family. No, they cared for each other because of this community cares for each other. This church cares for each other. They recognized the need. They kept their focus on the most important thing, spreading the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they did not neglect one another. So they made a plan, and they appointed these men who would serve the similar role that deacons serve today. Notice the result in verse number 7. And the word of God kept on spreading. Let me suggest to you that if the elders, the apostles, had not appointed these men, the deacons, then that verse would not say that. But when there was an issue, it was addressed, the church continued to grow. Listen to all of verse 7. And the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to multiply greatly. In Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Here we see again, I I can't say that these men were deacons because the Bible doesn't say that. But they serve a very similar role to what we think of as deacons and what we see in Scripture as the role of deacons. Deacons, what is your job? What is the role of a deacon? It is not to make sure that the grass is cut. The role of a deacon is not to make sure that there's education material in our Bible classes. The role of a deacon is not to make sure that benevolence needs are met. The role of a deacon is to mobilize servants to make sure that any need and every need is taken care of so that the church can continue to mature and grow. And yes, that's a tremendous responsibility that is much more than making sure the church is clean. And I want you to realize that, deacons. The tremendous blessing that it is and responsibility that it is. In First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13, as it's talking about deacons, notice what it says about deacons in First Timothy 3 13. Those who serve well as deacons will gain a high standing and great boldness in the faith in Christ Jesus. Have you ever read that verse? Have you ever, you know, that's, that's in the, the section that's talking about the, uh, the, the responsibilities or the requirements of becoming a deacon, but there's this great blessing. It says those who serve well as a deacon gain a high standing and great boldness in the faith in Christ Jesus. Yes, deacons, it is a tremendous responsibility with a tremendous blessing that you can have a great standing before God and great boldness in the faith. Yes, that means because sometimes you'll have to deal with the nitty-gritty, the inconvenient, the stuff that doesn't make the headlines, but you get the work done. And you, more importantly, perhaps, you help others get the work done and help them grow as well. Turn back, if you will, to quickly to Acts chapter 2 and verse 40 as we close. Acts chapter 2 and verse 40. Again, this is the, uh, the sermon that Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. Uh, he t- talks to them about the importance of Uh, of Jesus and his crucifixion Uh, but in in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40 he makes another point beyond the fact hey you guys have killed the son of God but when you say you've been looking for for a long time uh, that's what gets them that's what pierces their hearts and they say what can we do and he says repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so there's there's maybe for those people in that moment the main reason they were moved to action But he continues to tell them there's other reasons for you to move to action. And especially in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, it relates to you and me today, okay? And it says, and with many other words, outside of just talking about Jesus, he solemnly bore witness and kept on exhorting them, begging them, saying, be saved from this crooked, your version may say, perverse generation. Today is a good day. I wrote that on the top of my sermon notes on the three or four different pieces of paper that I wrote down for sermon. And, And can I tell you? I wrote that Monday, and I had a hard time writing that on Monday after the shooting. And the next day I wrote it again on slightly different note, notes in the next couple of days after tornadoes ripped through various places and killed lots of people. But I still believe it. Today's a good day. And here's why. Today's a good day because Jesus Christ died for us, was buried, resurrected, gained the victory over death and gives us the hope of eternal life through the forgiveness of our sins. Today's a good day. Today's a good day because we're a part of a community, we're a part of a church that is committed to correcting things in our lives that are not right with God for caring for one another and making differences in each other's lives and in the lives of those around us. And we're all focused on Christ. In the midst of a world that is crooked, is perverse, is tragic, is difficult, is sad, is lonely, is all the things this world is, today's a good day because eight men, in just a few minutes, eight men are going to stand before you. And they're going to take on the responsibility to help you get to heaven. Today's a good day. If you're not a Christian yet, today could be the best day of your life. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is a resurrected son of God? Will you name him as the Lord of your life? Will you repent of your sins because you want to be focused on correction? And because you want to do the things that Jesus says to do? Will you be baptized into Christ Jesus to wash away all of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You don't do that because that makes you a follower of Jesus. You do that because you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died and that He resurrected again, and He is now the Lord of your life. And He says you need to be baptized. Matthew chapter 28, Acts chapter 2, many other places. There's nothing special about the water of baptism, but the act of baptism is obedience to the Lord. And he says that's the way that you come in contact with his blood that washes, you away of all, washes all your sins away. But then from that day forward is really the most important part. He's the Lord of your life and you follow him every day. And you've got a family here, a group of people here, a community here, just like that group of people 2,000 years ago, that we are imperfectly committed to. Correction, changing our lives and helping each other change their lives. Caring for one another And we're all focused on Jesus. Again, I'll say, we do not do it perfectly. None of us. We mess up. We don't always treat each other well. But we are always focused on Jesus. So we do it faithfully. When we make it recognize that we've messed up, uh, we do our best to correct that. And we fully rely on Jesus for his grace and mercy because it is sufficient. This morning, here in a few minutes, uh, deacons... Uh, I think, you may not even know this, so let the cat out of the bag. Uh, All the deacons are going to be called up here in a few minutes with your wives. Hope you wore your Sunday best. Uh, (laughs) You're going to be called up here in just a few minutes. It's a tremendous responsibility. What a blessing. The guys, the eight new guys that are about to become deacons, what a privilege, what an honor. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Brothers and sisters, you're a servant too. And there's a world that needs you to shine a light like Jesus did. And this morning, if you're not a Christian, there's a family of people here who want to help you get to heaven. And if there's anything we can do this morning to help you do that, we're going to stand here in just a second. And we're going to sing a song. And if you want to come forward and talk to me, we'll we'll offer a prayer for you publicly. If you want to do that, if you're comfortable doing that, we'd love to do that with you. If you're ready to put on Christ in baptism, we're ready to do that too. We're ready for all of that. Uh, But whatever it is, if there's a struggle, if there's a difficulty, make sure you take the time to get it right. Talking to somebody, praying to God, doing what you need to do according to what God says. And if you need help understanding any of that, we want to help you in whatever way we can. Uh, This morning, if you have a need, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.